You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of history. My name is Steve Sulman, and today's story is titled The Canary Funeral. And I should tell you that today's entire podcast has one common theme. Everything is about animals. Now, as a kid, I loved eating Cracker Jacks. And you may recall that on the packaging, there are two characters. There's a boy dressed in a sailor suit and his dog. The name of the boy is Jack, but do you know the name of the dog? Here are your choices in alphabetical order. Was it one, Bingo, two, Buddy, three, Ginger, four, Shadow, or five, Zeus? Again, for today's question of the day, what is the name of the dog featured on the Cracker Jack package? Is it one, Bingo, two, Buddy, three, Ginger, four, Shadow, or five, Zeus? I'll let you think about those choices for a bit, and I'll let you know the answer at the end of this podcast. Now, before we get to today's main story, I'm going to take a bit of a detour today. That's because one of my students suggested that I include a secret message in this podcast. The message I chose has six words in it, which I'll reveal at various points in the podcast. If you want to play along, just go to RadioArchives.com. That's RadioArchives.com and do a search for Little Orphan Annie. At the bottom of their Little Orphan Annie page is a link to print out the 1936 Radio Decoder Badge. So here we go. Set your secret decoder to G15. And here's the first word in the secret message. 1422. Again, set your decoder to G15, and the first word in today's message is 14. And 22. And now let's move on to today's story that I've titled The Canary Funeral. And this is not only a great story, but it's also an excellent example of how the press can distort a story. I can tell you for a fact that this is definitely a true story, but as you'll soon learn, some of the minor details are highly inconsistent. One thing that is certain is the date. It was on Sunday, August 1st of 1920 that Jimmy, the beloved singing canary who was owned by Emilio Russomano, his wife Marie, and their 12 children, choked to death on either an oversized watermelon seed or he tried to swallow too many seeds at the same time. But either way, this is a very sad day for the family. Four-month-old Jimmy was survived by his parents. 
Those were two other Russomano canaries named Lorenzo and Marie, which he had either purchased or won in a game of chance at Coney Island the previous summer. Russomano, who was either 65 or 66 years old, depending on the source, was so saddened that Monday morning he decided not to open his cobbler shop, which was located at 5 Boyden Street in the Italian section of Newark, New Jersey. Instead, he covered the windows of his store with black crepe. Puzzled, neighborhood residents stopped in to find out what happened, and they learned of the family's great loss. That's when it was decided that Jimmy should have a proper funeral. Sarusamana went to see an undertaker to make the necessary arrangements, while the community did their share by donating whatever spare change they could. And the end result was what may have possibly been one of the most elaborate and most unusual funerals ever for a pet. A sign was placed on the cobbler's door that read, quote, Closed on account of Jimmy's death. For two days, mourners lined up outside the door to pay their respect for the late Jimmy. Samba music played nearly continuously from a phonograph. As they entered the cobbler's shop in groups of two, they found Jimmy lying in a custom coffin that measured approximately 12 by 6 inches, that's 30 by 15 centimeters, and was supposedly lined with red silk. Or maybe it was blue plush, or white velvet. And it may have been made of mahogany. Or, as the New York Herald Tribune reported, it was a cigar box that was lined with white satin and had blue satin forget-me-nots, which was then later placed into a small coffin. We get the idea. The press couldn't get their facts straight, but he was buried in something. What is certain was that Jimmy was surrounded by flowers, burning candles, a crucifix, and a sobbing Mr. Russomano. To each person he retold the story of Jimmy and his beautiful songs, all the time wiping tears from his eyes with his white handkerchief. The press quoted Russomano as describing Jimmy as possessing, quote, a song as sweet as the voice of Caruso. Or maybe he said, quote, he sang so sweet, like Caruso. Or did he actually say, quote, so small, but sing, ah, so sweet, like Caruso. I'm guessing accuracy was not a requirement for being a good reporter back in 1920. A priest arrived and the time had come to take Jimmy to his final place of rest. I'm not sure how they did it, but six pallbearers carried his body to the awaiting hearse. Cobbler Russomano took a seat in one of the five horse-drawn mourner coaches that were hired to transport the family to the gravesite. Leading the procession was a 12-piece brass band. Or maybe it was a 15-piece band. One picture I was able to locate of the event is a bit blurry since it was on microfilm, but I was able to count at least 10 instruments. No matter what the count, they continued to play funeral dirges as the procession slowly moved through the streets of Newark. Police had to be called in as the crowd continued to grow and grow. Approximately 500 people followed behind on foot while police estimated, get this, that 10,000 people stood alongside to witness this unusual event. Some were certainly saddened by Jimmy's passing, while others saw the humor in it and laughed. The total cost of the funeral was estimated to be somewhere between $200 and $400, nearly all of which was donated by the community. 
Adjusted for inflation, Jimmy's funeral would have cost between $2,300 and $4,600 today. Jimmy the Canary was interred at 42 Cutler Street. That's near the Branchbrook Park under a morning glory vine. As his casket was lowered into the ground, the priest read passages from the life of Washington. Why? You got me. Anyway, a tombstone in the shape of a cross with the image of a canary carved at its center was planned for the grave. Now whether that was ever done is uncertain, but I can tell you not to bother going to visit his grave. That's because urban renewal in the 1950s destroyed Newark's Little Italy. Jimmy's exact burial location has since been replaced by modern housing and lots and lots of blacktop. Now, just to give you an idea of how wildly distorted a story can become in the tabloid press of the 1920s, let me share with you some of the facts as described by the Washington Post that's just one month later on Sunday, September 5th of 1920. Rusumano, whose first name is never mentioned in the story, was claimed to have been a wealthy banker. He was no longer a cobbler. And Jimmy was a famous singer. He was known throughout the community and possibly the world. It was on a hot night that the banker's son Mario fed Jimmy that deadly watermelon seed. And get this, Jimmy was buried in a gold casket that cost $1,100. The exact location of Jimmy's burial was supposedly a secret, so no one would steal that gold coffin. The procession included a 50-piece band and 50 carriages. And the total cost of the funeral? $5,000. I guess they'll do anything to sell papers. Useless? Useful? I'll leave that for you to decide. Here's the second word in today's secret code. 18711. That's 1871 M1. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now for a few words from our retro sponsor. Just listen to our pets. They're calling your pets from coast to coast. This is Jess Kirkpatrick speaking for Hearts Mountain Pet Food. Yes, indeed. We want the finest pets in the land to enjoy the finest foods made. Hearts. H-A-R-T-Z. 
Hart's Mountain. For canaries, they bring that aristocrat of all bird foods, Hart's Mountain Master Canary Seed. And for dogs, the delicious between-meal treat, Dog Yummy. Yes, there's plenty of Hart's Mountain food for all other pets, too, including goldfish and turtles. And friends, you'll believe me when I say these are real live canaries in the studio. No bird whistles or mechanical devices could ever duplicate the glorious voices of our master radio canaries as they present their canary pet show with the added transcribed songs of the entire canary chorus heard in the background, along with Gloria, our lovely organist. And Gene with his talking violin. That commercial for Hart's Pets Foods is from the December 3rd, 1944 episode of Hart's Radio Canaries. The show was on the air for about 15 years and was also titled Hart's Mountain Canary Hour and the Canary Pet Show. It ran on the Mutual Radio Network on Saturday mornings and its main target audience was children. If you like the sound of canaries singing along with organ music, then you would have loved the show. Personally, after listening to this one episode in its entirety, I don't. While few people have pet birds today, they were incredibly popular in the past. Nearly every department store and Woolworths had live birds, and that made Hearts Mountain the largest manufacturer of pet products in the world. But times change, and today it's rare to find pet birds sold anywhere except the small mom-and-pop pet shops. And that has led to a decrease in the number of pet birds in homes today. Since Hearts Mountain products were sold almost exclusively by the larger chains, once they gave up the live pets, Hearts' market share dropped. Having worked in the pet industry for over 35 years, I can tell you firsthand that Hearts was, until recently, considered a brand of lower quality and was rarely ever stocked by pet stores. Today, Hearts has both improved their product line and increased the U.S. market share. And that's because Hearts Pet Products is no longer owned by Hearts Mountain Industries. You see, Hearts Mountain Industries is now strictly a real estate owner and developer in the New York and New Jersey area. The pet product division was sold to Japan's Sumitomo Corporation in 2004. Then, Japanese pet products manufacturer Unicharm obtained a 51% interest back in 2011. Oddly, Hart's Pet Products still retain their offices in Secaucus, New Jersey, so they pay rent to their former owner, Hart's Mountain Industries. And here's word number three in today's secret message. Two, six, three. That's two, six, three. And now for a few totally useless yet totally true tidbits from history. It's time for like to call News of the Weird Past. Our first story is reported on July 22nd of 1936. It seems that Arthur Gwinner, who's a farmer in Jerseyville, Illinois, had noticed that one of his cows had not been producing her usual amount of milk each day. What could have caused this? You know, a hormonal problem, some sort of illness? Could have been psychological? Nope, it was none of these. Gwinner suspected that the cow was being milked by, get this, a snake. So he hired a guy named Bud Skinner to keep watch on the herd. 
and as the cows moved towards a spring for some water, Skinner noticed a snake crawling out from its stump and elevating its head toward the udder of the same cow for a refresher. He beat the snake with a club and then he shot it to death. And our next tidbit is from August 3rd of 1965. That's when it was reported that Mr. and Mrs. John Alfelt of Baltimore, Maryland were asleep while their apartment filled with thick smoke and that was being produced by a faulty electric fan. Clearly the two could have died, but they were awoken around 6 a.m. by a loud banging sound. It was being made by their pet raccoon, Genghis. He was repeatedly hitting their bedroom door against a dresser, and that awoke the couple. The fan was unplugged and the apartment aired out. Both the couple and their hero, Genghis, were unharmed. And our last story for today appeared in the press on August 20th of 1974. Carl R. Gustafson, an adjunct professor at Eastern Washington State College, had been doing research on sheep being kept at the local zoo in Spokane. Basically, he was trying to condition coyotes to get them to stop killing sheep, which of course is costly to farmers. The idea was to feed the coyotes tainted lamb meat, which of course would make them temporarily ill, after which the coyotes would want to avoid killing live sheep. But there was one unanticipated glitch in their plan. It turns out that a pack of dogs had gotten through the 12-foot or 3.7-meter-high fence that surrounded the pen and killed eight of the sheep. As a result of this setback, it was decided to move the study from Spokane to nearby Cheney. For those playing along, the fourth word in the secret message is 22, 14, 7, 24. That's 22, 14, 7, and 24. And now for the answer to today's question of the day. And I had asked what is the name of the dog featured on the Cracker Jack packages? Was it 1. Bingo, 2. Buddy, 3. Ginger, 4. Shadow, or 5. Zeus? Well, which one did you pick? Well, the answer is choice number 1. Bingo. The characters of Sailor Jack and Bingo were introduced by Cracker Jack back in 1918. Sailor Jack was actually imaged after a real boy. That's Robert Ruckheim, and he was the nephew of Cracker Jack inventor Frederick William Ruckheim. Sadly, Robert died from pneumonia shortly after his image first appeared on the packaging at the age of eight. Now, Bingo was based on a stray dog named Russell, and he had been adopted by Henry Eckstein in 1917. You see, Eckstein invented the famous Cracker Jack wax-coated packaging, and he was a partner in the business. It was back in 1896 when Chicago popcorn seller Ruckheim discovered a way to keep molasses-coated popcorn puffs from sticking to each other. The secret was to add a bit of vegetable oil during the manufacturing process. The name Cracker Jack was supposedly coined by a popcorn lover who said, quote, that's a Cracker Jack. In other words, the treat was exceptionally good. Cracker Jack started adding the prizes to each package back in 1912. Now, I still have a clear memory of some of the best toy surprises that were hidden in those boxes when I was a kid. I had a magnifying glass, a plastic whistle, a number of plastic pinball games, you know, the tiny toys with a metal BB that rolled around inside. 
but the last few times I've eaten Cracker Jack, I was very disappointed. First, the number of peanuts have been greatly reduced in the overall mix. And then, the toy surprises are either worthless stickers or temporary tattoos. Yuck. Anyway, I don't recall ever getting a secret decoder in any package that I opened, but here's the next word in today's secret message. 22, 21, 7, 3, 2, 21, 3. That's 22, 21, 7, 3, 2, 21, and 3. At the time, I only felt a punch. I think everything went wrong. His drug of choice was heroin. Binging and purging over and over and over. Evaluate you, and if you're okay to go, they're going to let you go. This is Justin, and I do the Peripheral Podcast. I have a true crime background, but when telling the stories of true crime, sometimes you have to gloss over topics like mental illness, drug addiction, sexual assault. And I feel like we do that in life too. So this podcast is my attempt to bring all of these topics that are on the peripheral into the mainstream. So please join me wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's story on the canary funeral, including all the other animal-related stories. If you'd like to read more true stories just like these, please be sure to get a copy of one of my books. They are Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart, both written by me, Steve Silverman, and they're available from your local bookseller, online, and from your local library. Be sure to check out my Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash useless information podcast. That's all one word, useless information podcast. And you can contact me through Facebook or via email at useless at steve.silverman.name. That's useless at steve.silverman.name. And my website is uselessinformation.org. As a side note, in my spare time over the past few months, I've been working on a video for my invention, which is called the Expandable Universe. You may recall me talking briefly about it in an earlier episode. Now, I haven't decided yet, but I'm most likely going to put the video up on a site like Kickstarter or Indiegogo and try to raise some funds. And that's mainly because the cost to bring a product like this to market is far too great for me to do alone. So stay tuned and I'll let you know which path I decide to take. Lastly, the sixth and final word in today's coded message to my students is 10, 9, 1, 3, 22. Again, that's 10, 9, 1, 3, and 22. You may also want to place an exclamation point at the very end to get the full meaning of the sentence. On that note, I'll bring today's podcast to a close, and I thank you again for listening. Bye. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast. Thank you.
My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.